The following is a Talking Buds podcast special presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, the bar is open. Come on in and join the Buds for a Maple Leafs postseason pint. My friend Harry and I would uh, like to buy you guys a round of beers. You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? Wash it down with one beer, two beers, three beers. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. some point during our previous episode you said something to the effect of if someone were to go back and listen to every episode we've done in order it would be one show this team sucks we hate them they're going nowhere the next show this team's amazing that's what we want to see we bleed blue and white all positive and Rye I have a feeling that that trend is going to continue you think so eh you think I'm just gonna jump on the optimism after that I'm what makes you think I'm gonna do that I think that that was as good as you could have hoped for that was a dominant 60 minute performance like up and down the lineup. Like I'm going to have a difficult time picking bum of the night because I thought everybody played well and contributed. And I just thought like that, that's, that's what you want to see. They, there should be little doubt left in anyone's mind in that dressing room, who the more talented team is after that hockey game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The Columbus Blue Jackets were awful. Awful. I thought the roles completely reversed from game one to game two, but the difference is, like you just alluded to, when the Leafs dominate, it can look like that, a just scoring chance fest. And when the Blue Jackets dominate, the Leafs don't see ice, they can't get any chances, and the Blue Jackets do what they have to do to win the hockey game. My biggest takeaway from tonight, or this afternoon, I should say, or this evening, whatever whatever one you like, all the things we've been hearing about how Kyle Dubas wants his hockey team to play, I thought this game was probably out of his textbook of how he wants them to play and how when they're at their best how they are going to play. I'm sure he was up there just so excited, just so fired up because when they, when he talks about puck possession and having skilled players and just creating scoring chances and using your speed to dominate and your skill to dominate hockey games, tonight was the first time I have ever seen that executed for 60 minutes. So you just answered the question I was about to ask you, which is, in your opinion, was that the best 60 minutes you've seen this team put together all season? Is it the best 60 minutes? Maybe. Because 
I, I remember there was a couple games where they played pretty well. It, it, it depends. Like, best 60 minutes, I don't know. But it is for sure the best 60 minutes in Kyle Dubas's eyes. Because that is exactly the game plan he talks about. And that is exactly the philosophy that he wants to live by. And that was 100% executed in this hockey game. The um, most notable change going into the game was Austin Matthews centering Mitch Marner and Zach Hyman and John Tavares centering William Nylander and Ilya Mikheyev. That proved to be the right decision. I thought Mitch was better today, and I thought John Tavares just, he heard our criticism. He heard your description when you called him bum of the night after game one and came out and delivered today. Yeah, I'm damn happy to see it, too. I, I had a big, goofy smile on my face watching that guy play hockey today. Because it sucks criticizing him, because we love him. I have a little bit of fun criticizing Nylander and Marner. Like, it doesn't hurt me as much. But criticizing John, just a, a guy you know you would love, and a good captain, it hurts me. So I had a big smile on my face when, when he was doing what he was doing today. Austin Matthews, once again a dominant force scoring the first goal, solving the Jonas Corposalo puzzle that up until midway through the second, they had not been able to solve. And I was getting very nervous about it. Very nervous about it. I was like, great. Now they're going to come out. They're going to dominate and they're not going to score. And then they're going to give up a cheapie, but they pulled through, man. Obviously, the big story was the end of the game. Under two minutes left, Jake Muzzin um, taking sort of a cross-check in the back from Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was probably taking out frustration from the absolute earful he got on the bench from John Tortorella earlier in the game. And Muzzin sort of falling awkwardly, like on his neck, it looked like, and then being stretchered off the ice in like a really scary, eerie situation with no fans in the building. Um, all reports are that he's been taken to a hospital and he's going to have to quarantine for a few days when he comes back. So odds are, Ryan, we are not going to see Jake Muzzin in the lineup for games three and four on Thursday and Friday. And... Even though he, like a lot of other guys, I don't think had his best game in game one. I thought he was much better today and a huge, huge component of their penalty kill. And he's one of their top four D, so it's that's a huge loss for them. Dude, this is a massive loss for them. This sucks for them, man. He's their second best defenseman, in my opinion. Yep. And just a solid dude. That 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 just ruined the game for me at the end there. Like, it didn't ruin the game, but you know what I mean. Like, it just put a horrible cloud over it, and it's it was just damn sad to see, in my opinion, the second-best defenseman on the team and, and, a, and a leader on this team yep. go down in, in, in an injury that no one understands. No. They kept calling it a stinger on the broadcast, and but he, he was able uh, – you could tell he was able to move his arms and legs, and he was talking to the trainers, so – I think whenever you're dealing with a neck situation, they take full precaution, which is why they stretchered him off the ice. Yeah, well, when a guy's wiggling his hands around it to see if he can get some feeling out of them, I think that's a little uh, scary. 
So, like I said, I don't anticipate seeing him in the lineup on Thursday and Friday, but they're just going to have to overcome, man. Like, they're going to have to figure it out. You got to think maybe uh, Martin Marincin or um, mm. Rasmus Sandin might draw Martin in. Martin Marincin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm Marty. guessing. I'm Marty. guessing. I'm guessing. Marincin draws in. And you move Barry up to play with Hull, and then so your third pair becomes Dermot and Marincin. Marty Marincin. Yeah. Marincin. Yeah. yeah, that 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 hurts my feelings a little bit, but I guess that's the reality. Guys are gonna go down. So I mean you just gotta plug away. I'm not fired up about it because I know the player that's stepping in to replace him and I'm and I'm sure he's a great guy, but I think I've seen enough of his game over the past couple of years that it doesn't get me too fired up that he's replacing the second best defenseman on the team. After the game, Torts said, Toronto was really good. We sucked. 100%. How much of today's game was that? Was it more the Leafs dominating and playing their game? And as you put earlier, executing Kyle Dubas' vision? Or was it the Columbus Blue Jackets were awful? And let me let me just before you answer that, let me give you an example of like kind of where I'm going with this. So Columbus 0 for 4 on the power play today. The Leafs penalty kill is vastly improved. No, like there's no two ways about it. However, that Columbus Blue Jacket power play is not good at all. So. How much of this was you think the Blue Jackets just had a crap game versus the Leafs executing? I think it was an 80-20 Leafs 80% played an incredible hockey game and, and the Jackets 20% were awful. I think the way the Leafs were playing forced the Jackets to to be on their heels, but it just it just never turned around. Like just the whole game was just kind of in the same Leafs getting tons of chances, dominating possession. And the, they were just like, the, like we criticized the Leafs last game about a lot of guys flat footed, slow. And I thought they just kind of traded places tonight. Like the, the forwards for the jackets were just nowhere to be found. Yeah. Seth Jones was all over the ice doing what he could, but I didn't see anything good from any forward on that blue jackets team tonight. But the Leafs, if they're going to play that good, maybe when they are that good, they can make a team like that look Silly, because the Blue Jackets are a hell of a hockey team. We know what happened in the playoffs last year. They they play a good, tight-checking game, but we're not talking about the 85 Oilers here or the, the Washington Capitals of today. Like, this team can be beat, and the Leafs are the favorites, and if they play like that, I understand why. All right, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you going on the power play here. 0 for five on the power play. Um, I didn't think it was all that bad today. I thought a few of those power plays were actually pretty good, other than Jonas Corposalo. But um, I would say three of them were good. Two of them were garbage. We uh, we still continue to see power play struggles, and this is something that, as they continue to go along here, they have to get fixed and capitalize on. This this is an anomaly. Like, this is crazy to me. Like, they, they have their issues getting in the zone. We, we, we've talked about that at nauseum. 
But once they get in the zone, for a bunch of guys who are capable of scoring 30-plus goals in this league, I don't know. They just don't have a play or or a shooter, you know? Like, it's just Marner gets the puck, and he either does the slap pass or he tries to find Matthew. Like, there's just... Like, you know when you're playing the Washington Capitals, Ovi is waiting. And, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, Kucherov, Stamkos, they're waiting. Leon Dreisaitl is waiting. For the Leafs, it, it's it's like they get the puck in the zone. They're all very skilled players. They can move the puck once they have possession of it. But they just don't have that money in the bank 50-50 play. You know, I just, I, I think they need... All these guys can shoot the puck, but they just don't have that ability to just scare you on the power play. And it, it's weird to me. I don't understand why it just doesn't click in the ozone. One thing I did notice tonight is the second unit, even though it's kind of just a collection of dudes, they are way better at the drop pass. Jason Spezza is way better at the drop pass in the neutral zone than Marner and Riley and Matthews. Like the way they get in the zone with that is phenomenal. But once they get in the zone, they're not as strong as the first unit. But I was... Go back and watch the game, man. Jason Spezza can run that drop pass like a legend. Yeah. Savvy veteran, man. Yeah, you reminded me bringing up the second unit. What'd you think of Nick Robertson? I loved him. Oh, loved him. I, I He's the new shiny toy, so obviously I'm going to get fired up. But I don't want to... I want to stay on the positive note and just focus on the game that we just watched. But I watched Nick Robertson play, and it's a very small sample size. And it just makes me angry that we gave in to a William Nylander in terms of contract negotiations. Like To me, this guy's already a better hockey player than William Nylander is. He definitely... Or, he has, the, definitely, or, or has the potential to be. He definitely seems to, like, work a little harder. Dude, this guy works, man. Yeah. And he shoots the puck. Yeah. He shoots the puck. He's a small guy. He's got all the skill in the world. He's got speed. And he's, he's working, guys. Like, he's a small guy. And he, you see him get low. He gets low. And he just get gets going. And he fights. And he's drawing penalties. And he's even taking penalties, which isn't always a great thing. But at least you know he's in, he's in the muck if he's doing that. I, thought, like, I that, thought he was great, man. I thought he was phenomenal. I thought that whole line again was really good. I thought Alex Kerfoot was very good today. I thought he was in on the four check, pressuring guys down low. I thought he was great on the penalty kill. He's turning into one of their better penalty killers. Good on the face-off circle. I um, I like that line a lot. Casper uh, um, Kapanen in front of the net, mucking it up a little bit with some of the yeah, Blue he gets Jackets in. He players. got punched in the face pretty good. Yeah, I know, I know. He's he he he's got an edge. Cappy's got an edge. Yeah, he'll he'll get in there. But we yeah, just, that, we, I just yeah. Go go ahead. Sorry. What'd you think of the Kyle Clifford hit to start? Oh, the game? dude, I was gonna bring that up. <laughs> I was like, this guy may only see max five minutes a night, but like, man, when's the last time you saw a Leaf just set the tone with a banger? Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, just, I know, I know. You dummied that guy. I know. Just I know. destroyed him, man. I know, I know. Right off the bat, just runs oh, him over in the corner. It was awesome. Just a clean 100-mile-an-hour hit yeah, and just dummied him. I was I so fired up, man. I know, I know. It was epic. Yeah. It was epic. All right. Well, we're, we're kind of headed in that direction right now, so let's do Bum of the Night, Beauty of the Night, Hit the Music. <laughs> 
It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. We've been pretty positive thus far, so we'll start off. Uh, let's get the bums out of the way. It's going to be a hard one tonight because the team uh, as a whole played really, really well, I thought. Um, I'm going with... For my bum of the night, Ryan, I'm going with your boy, Travis Dermott. I did not think he was very good tonight. I think he, I don't know what's going on, if he's nervous, or, but he's he turned the puck over a couple times trying to clear it out of the zone and does the thing where he comes behind the net and then he has to like rethink what he's doing and circle back or do a weird sort of cross-ice pass in his own zone that ends up being sketchy. Um I know he doesn't have a lot of help with Tyson Berry as his partner, who also just, again, like continues to just unimpress night in and night out. But I think Travis Dermott, just settle down, bro. Settle down. You're a good hockey player. Settle down. Yeah, bum of the night, man. That's tough. I I don't want to cop out because, but like, man, you you look up and down their roster and and you can nitpick. Like, I don't mind your pick, but I, I... I wanted to say William Nylander because I just think the guy five on five is just no good. No good at all. And I'll just go with him, to be honest he's, with you. Honestly? Dude, he's a good hockey player, man. I, I just, I he's the guy, he's my go, like, no, he's no, my no, scapegoat, but, man. No, but to your point, but it's like, I think maybe it's because, like, this market has just talked about him so much, so you notice him more. It's like, he when he is floating... He stands out like the amount of times in a game that I notice him just sort of floating around or not going hard after a puck or turning left when he should be turning right. Like I notice it every game and I'm not a Nylander hater, but I just like he stands out his his like lackadaisical shifts really stand out. This is just personal preference to me at this point. I'm. People accuse me of picking on him, and you're honestly at this point, like I almost can't disagree because I almost do pick on him. And he reminds me a lot of Phil Kessel, which if you we didn't do a podcast when Phil was on this team, but for the people who were around me in that era knew that I was not a big Phil Kessel fan. But the one thing I'll give Phil is Phil was good for 80 points a year and over 30 genos a year. And to me, William Nylander is a less skilled, less fast Phil Kessel. And I watch Nick Robertson out there, small sample size, but you look at the intangibles and just the small um, glimpses of the type of game he's going to bring to this hockey team with probably almost the same amount of skill, a guy who dummied the OHL, who can shoot the puck, and what I've seen so far gets in the muck. And we fall in love with the guys we draft and just... We bent over backwards to get this guy signed, and it just—I don't want to get into a huge tangent, but I just think he is just a—he's um, just nothing special to me, man. Five on five, I just think he's just kind of irrelevant. He'll make a nice play, he'll chip in, no doubt. Nice pass, he'll shoot the puck and, and score a nice goal every now and again. But I just—I just—I don't love him. If I was a coach and I'm looking at my lineup and I'm trying to implement a system, I'm looking at his name on my board. And I'm just not that fired up. It, that's just my personal opinion while watching this hockey team. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people share your sentiment. And I think a lot of people 
don't, and he, that's what makes him so polarizing. It's fascinating. And, t- and tonight was a great game. Like everyone had a great game. Yep. He had to go. He didn't have a horrible game. He had a great game. Yep. Or not a great game, but he had, he had an okay game. But I'm just, I just, I'm watching it. And I'm just like this guy. I just. He leaves you wanting more. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, he's my, he's the guy I just always look to. And I'm just always, just always going to want more out of him. Always. Yeah. yeah. All right. Beauty of the night. Um, awesome Matthews, the obvious choice. But I'm going to go with Freddie Anderson. Just because there were moments in the night where he was like ice cold. The, the Leafs are dominating the play in the Blue Jackets zone. And every time they needed him to step up and make a big save to sort of calm the play down in their end, he was right there to do it. I, when Freddie is locked in, I always say this, when he is locked in, it's in his body language. He's not jittery. He's just, he's methodical and he tracks the puck so well. And he just always makes a save that calms everything down. And I'm getting that sense from him. Although Craig Simpson was doing his best to jinx it there at the end of the game. Oh my God. The amount of times in the last five minutes that Craig Simpson felt the need to say, Freddie Anderson's only allowed one goal thus far in this series. It's like, thanks. Thanks, Craig. Thanks. Yeah, no. And and honestly, if I'm Freddie tonight, you're looking at the scoreboard and looking at the shot clock and being like, finally, I'm on the other side of this. Mm -hmm. This is what it feels like yeah, yeah. to be on the other side of this. Yeah, yeah. To not have a lot of, even though he had to make some tough stops, no doubt. But I'm not getting a I'm barrage not the one getting of shots on shots. him. Yeah, 39 shots hurled at me. Yeah. yeah. So, man, he must have been fired up. But my beauty is, uh, I'm going to go with a two-pack. Um, Number one. Uh, we ripped them the past couple episodes about the Leafs defense core. I mean, no one in particular stood out, but I thought it was as good as a collective effort that they've given in a very long time going back to the regular season. Yeah. Um, sure. They they all had some 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 glimpses of, of their kind of old ways, but I thought for the most part they, they played as as well as they could have played. And I'm just happy. I'm happy for them. I'm going to give them their due because we. I've been ripping them. So if they're going to play well, I got to give them their due. At number two, watching John Tavares score that goal, yes. God, I got goosebumps, man. Yes. I got goosebumps. That yes. fired me up, Captain John. He was so happy. He was so happy. He was, he was all over the net, and he finally got the most probably the most clear cut opportunity he's had in since he's been a Maple Leaf, and just. Put the ego aside and didn't do the flashy move. Didn't try to go top shelf. Just waited for a simple little hole to open up between the blocker or in between the body and the blocker arm and just slid it in. And man, that got me fired. He got, I got goosebumps watching that. That was awesome. Well, we're all even at ones now, Ryan. We were pretty down in the dumps after game one. And look at us just following our talking buds trend. Just riding a high after game two. Yeah, well, it's pretty. It's pretty obvious the 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 habits that this team has. Yes. Clearly, they go out and just absolutely soil themselves, yeah, and then find a way to come back and just absolutely uh, put belief back in your head. Belief that maybe they can do this. Belief. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, that was good. So game four. Or game three, excuse me, goes 
Thursday at 8 p.m. And then game four will go on Friday. Yes, August 7th is, is Friday. Um, you think I remember that? That was the day that I was supposed to get married. Um, but not happening. Thanks, COVID-19, for that. Yeah, um, dick. Yeah, I know. But the the time for game four on Friday is TBD. So I'm guessing it'll be another 8 p.m. start. Like, I find it hard to believe they'd have them go an 8 p.m. and then bring them back the next day for, like, a noon or a 2.30. I don't know. That's just me. Um, But, yeah, we're guaranteed at least two more Leaf games, Ryan. You know, I was I – was driving to work this morning and i was sad i'm like what if this postseason pine thing only lasts three episodes oh well we're we're uh we're guaranteed for it to last at least four now jackets and three leafs and five ah so you know what that means that means you're we're headed towards your leafs and five prediction that means one of those is completely eliminated yes. and even though this team tonight they they have maybe their best game of the year but we know that the consistency has been an issue. So we might be riding high, but don't get it wrong. I'm still a jaded Leaf fan, <laughs> and it's a fresh start for me. I'm not expecting anything I saw tonight on Thursday. I'm going to go in with a fresh mind because I know what this team is capable of doing and what they're capable of not doing. Oh, they've they've definitely shown that like a game like that momentum is uh not there, there's no evidence that says moment momentum won't transfer from this game to the next game like it's entirely possible they come out in game three and are just brutal so let's hope that the layoff the fresh legs sort of help change that but yeah i'm with you i'm not i'm not going in on thursday going well you dominated on uh tuesday so let's see that again yeah, you need to continue having stellar goaltending, and you need to do, if anything, you may not dominate possession as much as you did in this game, but take the mentality of how much you shot the puck and how many pucks you fired on net. Yeah. And and the goals you did score that was it. Were, were just, one was a chip-in and one was a uh, an elite goal scorer finding a hole like it wasn't it wasn't somebody sniping top shelf well that you know what you just said it and like that was my biggest thing coming out of game one was like we're you're you're fighting for your playoff lives you're fighting for your season it's time to abandon the highlight reel and just start throwing pucks at the net and I thought there was way way more of that this afternoon and it and it worked out in their favor so more of that please I'd rather you throw 50 shots on the net and get shut out. Yes. And you know what? You got to, it sucks. You might, the luck might not go your way, but you can, you can hand it off to the other goalie. When you go out and you just pass it around like a bunch of idiots for 60 minutes, like that's when I start to get a little pissed off. Before we get out of here, I would be remiss if I didn't get your take on Connor McDavid. Guys, literally, might be the best hockey player to ever play the game. Like, yeah. let's just let's just be honest here in terms of like no one's ever touching Wayne. Like, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to just speed, like that just goal silly, he man. scored silly. Like, you, it's it's dumb. Anybody who's listened to this podcast has seen the highlight a hundred times. It's like not even fair. 
Yeah, the guy is just the speed is unbelievable. It like is it's just crazy, man. And that I like what uh Zigamanis said this morning. He was just kind of comparing the Leafs and the Oilers and how similar they are. And it's true. It's like Austin Matthews can go to his best game. Connor McDavid could go have his best game. But until these teams collectively and consistently defend and put in effort up and down the lineup, like they're not going anywhere. Yeah. They're very similar hockey teams, actually, yep. in that respect. I think the Leafs are a little bit deeper, but. You saw that today with the Leafs, Ryan. Consistent effort up and down the lineup, and look at this. We're all singing their praises and saying that that was their best 60 minutes of the season. And and, and Austin Matthews is is playing like a top-five hockey player yes. in the NHL yes. right now. Yes. He, his his strength on his stick yep. is unreal. And he's this. taking the body. He's taking the body down low, and he's getting in the, in the scrum. I know that I've taken some heat from some of our Talking Buds listeners and some of my Matthews takes in the past, so I just want to make it abundantly clear right now. What he's doing and how he's playing is exactly what I've been wanting to see. He is a dominant, elite force every single time he is on the ice. Yeah, he's, dude, he's been unbelievable. Yes. And he's been phenomenal. He's recognizing that he's a bigger man. So get in those dirty areas behind the net and do some damage. I'm not saying go in there and run anybody over. I'm saying you're bigger than half these guys, so do what you've been doing. Just push them off the puck. You can do it. Another thing, too, that I've noticed is through these two games, I think Sheldon Keefe has made it abundantly clear that this is Austin Matthews' team. Like I just think he's sticking them on the ice more than everybody else, and he's giving them every opportunity to be the top dog not only on this team but one of the top dogs in this league and I just think that if that is something that's going through Keith's head that that's just he should keep doing that so are you saying that Sheldon Keith thinks that Austin Matthews is a good pro yeah he good pro good player good pro yeah, I, I just think he's oh, – I think they, they handed John the C, and it's almost a good thing. You take That's just an added pressure. Yes. So it's like, Austin Matthews not the captain. We all know he's the guy who – who's he's the he's the man. But he doesn't need to be the captain. I, I just think these past two games – it's just my observation. I don't know if anyone else has seen it, but I think that Keith has really made it clear that Austin Matthews is going to be on the ice every single opportunity that – he could put him on the ice over anyone else. It's just a shame that we're not still back in uh, November and making sure that Freddie the Goat has the same amount of ice time as Austin Matthews. Even I'll see some Kyle Clifford a little bit more if he's throwing bombs like that. Well, I thought I thought um, good guy Pierre Engvall was a vast improvement on that fourth line over Freddie the Goat. Yeah, no crap. Yeah. All right. Anyways, that'll do it for us this week. Or not this week, actually. We got two more games this week. What am I talking about? I'm still operating like You're this in a routine, man. You need to get out of that. Yeah, I know. That's just me on autopilot right there. Absolutely. That'll do it for just us Just not tonight. paying attention. Yeah, just not paying attention. Just just going like through the motions. 
Yeah, just mailing it in. Yeah, just Ray, just you're doing your little sign off. You know it's mail in time. You're on auto. Through my sign off. Yeah, sleepy time. That'll do it for us tonight. We will see you guys after games three and four. Thank you very much for downloading. Go Leafs, go. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.